Welcome to Zero Down, presented by the Economics Department of Miranda House. The company that is under the spotlight in this episode is the one that is predominantly responsible for this generation's sleep deprivation. This company has not just been responsible for the entire binge-watch culture, but also for the overnight stardom of many actors and the rise of internet boyfriends. The brand that has dramatically changed the way we consume entertainment. Also among the few names that did benefit from the COVID lockdowns and work from home situation. Yup, we are indeed talking about Netflix. In this episode of Zero Down, we try to decode the business model of Netflix and try to answer why the binge culture is here to stay. Netflix functions under an OTT industry. So uh, what was traditionally a content distribution system that used cable and satellites to deliver media has been replaced by the internet. These OTT streaming services distribute content through the internet, thus making it video on demand based. Content that could be viewed by you anywhere, anytime, by any device that's connected to the internet. Netflix, Amazon Prime Video, Hulu, um, Disney Plus, and YouTube are the major players in this industry. Such streaming services usually run on three revenue models. Um, the first model is that of pay-per-view, which basically means that you have to pay a price for viewing a particular movie or show. So essentially, this is your typical DVD store where you pay for every DVD that you purchase. But instead, there is no physical transaction as such. The second model that is utilized by OTT platforms is that of advertisement-based. So this is the most popular and I think most familiar for all of us since we stream so much of content through YouTube. So this is as simple as it sounds. Uh, basically, advertisers pay the company for every advertisement that they get to show to a customer. Now, the third model and the model that is under focus in today's episode is that of subscription-based. Customers have to pay a monthly or a yearly subscription fee to the provider. So as to say stu- uh, subscribed and keep watching content. So our company, Netflix, technically uses the third model of revenue, which is subscription-based. Netflix actually started out in 1997 with Reed Hastings and Mark Rudolph creating a service to rent DVDs by mail. And in 1998, Netflix launched its website, netflix.com, which followed a subscription-based model that enabled members to rent DVDs at a flat fee without due dates, late fees, or monthly rental limits. This model was very popular because it made the purchase of DVDs free at the margins for the consumers. Netflix as we know it today was launched in 2007 and was then one of the first streaming platforms in the market space. Aided by bandwidth costs reducing in the United States and Netflix's own recommendation system, Cinemax, Netflix began the capitalization of the OTT space. In 2013, Netflix expanded its content library to include Netflix originals, which are series and even movies produced and distributed by Netflix. 
Despite these series not being released through the traditional cable networks of the time, it still amassed a large viewership. With House of Cards winning three Primetime Emmy awards, Netflix has now expanded to 190 countries and has 345 original titles on record. It is not just the business expansion, but also the pervasiveness of Netflix in our culture that is noteworthy. Phrases such as "Netflix and chill" have slowly worked their way into our vocabulary. Shows such as "Queer Eye," "Tidying Up" by Marie Kondo have become a cultural phenomenon. Netflix has been so successful in producing original content that series like "Stranger Things" have achieved a success that transcends the reputation of the original medium. While Netflix did have the first viewer advantage in the subscription-based model, its competition is quickly catching up. With Amazon Prime, Hulu, HBO, and the Disney-backed Hotstar all launching streaming services, the market has become highly competitive. In fact, most of these services are available at a cheaper price than Netflix, making it the premium option in countries like India. This creates an immense threat to the business environment of Netflix. As production houses such as Warner Media, Disney, and HBO are gearing up to launch their own streaming platforms, Netflix may end up losing a majority of its content library. Seven seasons of the popular show The Office have already been pulled from Netflix, as NBC has launched the streaming platform Peacock. Netflix may lose several popular franchises such as Star Wars, Friends, Marvel, etc. Netflix has actually ramped up its expenditure on originals, spending nearly three billion each year. This has made its cash flow negative. Funding of Netflix originals has even made Netflix issue long-term debt. So, why is Netflix making these business choices? The question is, why does Netflix maintain a wide variety of content, and why do they burn so much money into making such expensive originals? Now, this may seem like an overstatement that Netflix is burning a lot of money in making exclusives, but fun fact: Crown is the most expensive show of Netflix. And why is it expensive? Well, this figure tells you. So, for every episode for Crown, they spend around dollar thirteen million, and Crown is supposedly uh, around six seasons. So, you can imagine the kind of expense. That Netflix is bearing currently to produce shows under its banner. So the question is, why burn so much? So Netflix works under a highly oligopolistic market by an oligopoly. I mean, a few firms that produce the same kind of product exists. So in this case, it's a slightly different product. So by that. in that sense it means it's a very impure oligopoly now what is the problem with oligopoly here the few players compete extensively in terms of price suppose netflix decides to raise its subscription fee one day and the price sensitive customers will immediately substitute netflix with any other ott provider for a smaller fee this is exactly what netflix is trying to avoid it is slowly shifting from just being a platform that uh, provides a platform for licensed shows to a producer who has stellar titles under its belt so basically this is like two birds with one stone thing on one side netflix is safeguarding itself from licensed shows leaving it uh, like what happened with the office 
And on the other hand, it is trying to make the demand inelastic. Inelastic means that even a rise in price will not cause a drop in customers. By having originals, Netflix is building an exclusivity with its motto of content is king and in turn creating a community of subscribers who would not mind paying a few extra bucks to view its huge library of content. Now the strategy that is very popular among other media providers and what Netflix itself uses is that of bundling. When customers are given a package that has a combination of products at a pre-decided price. That is called bundling. So for a very small fee, Netflix subscribers are able to view the entire Netflix archive of content, ranging from different genre to different language. So how does this accessibility provide value for both subscribers and Netflix? Now here comes the bundling into play. So when customers have negatively related demand for the product, then the benefits of bundling can be accrued. Um, what is your favorite show? Uh, I would have to say The Office. Okay, fair enough. So her favorite show being Office and mine being Crown, which are diametrically two opposite genre kind of thing that's happening here. Like this, there are a million customers that Netflix, uh, Netflix uh, has. So what happens here is I will be willing to pay an amount that is higher for Crown rather than what I would pay for Office. On the other hand, you would be willing to pay more for Office than you would be willing to pay for Crown. So this creates a negatively related demand. When this happens, what eventually cancels out and the median of the entire bundle comes closer to the lowest costing bundle, thus creating value, not just to Netflix in terms of increased profits, but also to subscribers who are able to access a huge library of content at a very small, basic price, a price that they're willing to pay. So here is how Netflix and its strategy of bundling creates value for both. Netflix actually greatly benefits from economies of scale. The larger the subscriber base of Netflix, the greater is the value that it gets from each investment in its platform. A larger subscriber base also allows it to value its content bundles better. By seeing the average value a subscriber base gives to a content bundle, Netflix can charge a price that is below this average value, but still ensure that it has profit maximization. Thus, by ensuring consumer welfare and profit maximization, Netflix can ensure that both the company and the consumers are happy. While the accumulation of subscribers gets ensured through the investment in original content and through marketing schemes such as uh, making Netflix free for two days in India, how does, how does Netflix ensure the retention of subscribers? Netflix uses a tactic known as nudges, which are widely used in almost every industry centered around individual consumers. In behavioral economics, a nudge is an indirect suggestion or a positive reinforcement towards a certain action. These nudges are subliminal, but they greatly affect consumer choice. Consider the watch next option on Netflix. By immediately queuing the next episode of a series or a related title, it triggers the consumer to watch another thing, hence increasing the time spent by the consumer on the platform. 
it reduces any decision inertia a consumer might have to face and hooks the consumer to the platform for a longer period of time this is also one of the reasons why binge culture has emerged through the advent of streaming platforms watch next effectively reduces any friction the consumer may face in continuing a series or finding something else to watch another subtle way in which netflix increases the likability of content for consumers is by tailoring the thumbnails of its content based on previous viewing choices the netflix thumbnails for a fan of romcom will look vastly different from that of a thriller fan even though it is for the same movie or series this adaptation to the consumer's taste ensures consumer retention and a high click through rate in the cutthroat ott market netflix's strategies for product differentiation go a long way in establishing exclusivity now that we've decoded the entire business model of netflix to an extent the questions are is the excessive spending that it does still hold value in making it a company that will survive the harsh competition given that the previous subscribers i mean previous cable providers or even um the entire legacy of disney coming into play in the ott market Yes, that's very true. Disney almost has to spend nothing on licensing its content, considering it already owns a lot of the existing content on several platforms, such as Netflix and Amazon Prime. Uh, I mean, think about it. it: owns the Star Wars series, it owns all of Marvel, and it owns all the Disney classics, which Netflix and Amazon need to pay so much to retain. So, will Netflix survive only based on its original content? I don't know it sounds very questionable but i mean one can hope right <laughs> that is true netflix has to survive in an ever competitive market and it has to push its differentiated originals which are coming at a very high cost to the company the company is ramping up its expenditure on originals every year so do you think netflix will have to change its subscription based model in order to remain viable imagine it becoming like youtube with the advertisement model i mean will it be, will it cause customers to leave netflix base because of the annoying ads well, that is actually a question to consider however advertising per series will ensure that there is a greater guarantee of revenue per series like if there is a ad before every episode of the crown Netflix can guarantee that there's at least a recovery of say eight million dollars up to the thirteen million that they spend per episode. But would consumers appreciate an advertising-based model when models like Amazon Prime Video ensure the same thing at a cheaper cost without advertisements? Yeah, that's that's the question that still remains unanswered. But apart from that, thinking of the pop culture, you know, keeping that in mind. Netflix technically is responsible for so many people's careers. I mean, think about Noah Centineo. Come on. He became he blew up the internet. I mean, became internet's boyfriend. And okay, fun fact, his uh, number of followers on Instagram before any uh promotional content of to all the boys was aired was around 790k, okay. And Netflix does its brilliant marketing as usual everybody sees to all the boys ka promo and trailers and guess what happens this guy 
his instagram followers blow up to like 9.5 million it's insane to think about it yes he did gain a lot of i would personally say undeserved followers but that i feel is another podcast discussion um <laughs> but yes netflix has definitely established a lot of cultural relevance it has managed to take out content that resonates with the people in a sense and it's definitely especially in countries like america where its price is not necessarily very expensive compared to the other options i feel like netflix has a long fan following that maybe there to stay oh and also another fun fact that i found out so apparently in this coming oscars they are allowing um netflix movies also to be part of the race and not just netflix documentaries because of the entire pandemic scenario where almost all movies got released via the ott that's a big welcome to netflix and this is especially important considering how generally box office releases have more prestige and even end up earning more revenue so there's almost a shift from the traditional media approach of theatrical releases and cable network to the streaming platforms and maybe that is the reason why there is so much mounting competition in the ott sector with so many well established production houses uh, entering into this market yeah there is so much of prestige involved and i think in that spirit the cannes film festival they do not allow like netflix to contend i think to keep up with the whole red carpet you know exclusivity to theater released movies yes but if you consider it netflix has done a great deal of disruption even in the industry with each movie it produces it is managing to bag even more credible directors and actors so there's a good chance that netflix may be uh, overshadowing a lot of traditional media and that could be a great way for netflix to maintain relevance and to remain competitive if it can become a sort of new age production house yeah to also think about it of the you know whole issue of representation like how traditional theaters and such releases it is an exclusive club where representation often goes overlooked but netflix with its the latest like everybody is going gaga over bridgerton series it has broken certain you know glass ceilings yes that's true it has definitely democratized the process of production cuz you could be a small production house that could still gain a large viewing through platforms such as netflix which maybe through a traditional theatrical release wouldn't have ensured the same audience no i mean i am really grateful that netflix exists because especially during pandemic when everything was shut i think all of us like found solace in this whole streaming thing yeah in fact I'm- streaming is the one notable thing i i would say i did in 2020 so definitely <laughs> platforms are definitely getting a push from the pandemic and netflix being a major component of ott and having one of the greatest market capitalization worldwide definitely benefited from the pandemic yeah they did see i think the first quarter like a huge jump in terms of revenue and subscribers well thank you yeah. binge culture i guess yes thank you a lot <laughs> i mean a lot of speaking on cultural relevance again 
a lot of my personality and references come from shows by netflix so maybe its demand is already inelastic in terms of the uh, in terms of the likability of the content it's producing it really depends on its content and i guess that shows in the amount and the quality of the content true true perhaps it is inelastic for you know teenagers who are obsessed and are kind of addicted with watching shows and streaming things but perhaps later on in the future maybe everybody will become like us yes that is a very that is like the change in consumer behavior that might occur over time and netflix is ensuring through its nudges yep behavioral economics it is yes so i would say that concludes our podcast hopefully it was informative yeah and i hope you had fun listening to this and the next time you sit to watch another show or binge watch another tv series for going to sleep you think about how netflix benefits out of our obsessive and addictive behavior maybe turn off the watch next option might greatly help <laughs>